0: Thank you so much, JT. Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? Good. Merry Christmas. I'm excited about the holidays. Anyone else? Yeah? Although when you have kids, it's, it's like it flies by and Christmas sneaks up on you and you realize you have so many presents to wrap and it's going to be here before you know it. Whereas when you're a kid, you're like counting down since July. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Um, Again, as JT was saying, my name is Jess Nineber, along with my husband Aaron over here. Um, We're the youth pastors here at Catch the Fire, and um, it's just such a privilege and honor to be speaking here this morning. I have been coming to this church uh, for 10 years, over 10 years, um, ever since my family picked up and left everything in our home in Toronto and moved down here actually to plant Catch the Fire Raleigh. So when I say it's a privilege to be here this morning, it really is a privilege for me to be standing here on this stage and preaching before you guys today. So was anyone here at the beginning when we started Catch the Fire Raleigh? A few of you? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, we were joking about how when we first started, basically my role in the church, I was the greeting team, then I would get up and like be on the worship and then teach in the kids ministry and then sell books in the bookstore at the end of the day and call it a day. So um, things have definitely changed and it's awesome to see that slide and just see how um, how far we've come, how much we've grown. And again, I just want to say welcome to those that are watching online as well. And hi, Nana and Grampy. I think you're watching too. So yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I have two beautiful children. Um, one is just turned two. His name is Jude Wild and he, is adorable and you've probably seen him running around and dancing everywhere. And then um, my daughter Zoe River, and she just turned six months, there she is. <laughs> and she has so much hair, so much hair. I, try- I tried to style it in bangs and it was like getting in her eyes already and I was like, okay, this is crazy. Um, you have more hair than some kids on their second birthday. So <laughs> a lot of heartburn for mom when I was pregnant. Uh, I graduated from the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, anyone? Tar Heels? Uh, three years ago. And I. since then, I was full-time um, partnering with Aaron, pastoring the youth. Before that, I was uh, a youth leader. And then Aaron's actually been here now for six years, pastoring the youth. So I joined alongside him more like full-time in that three years ago. So it's just really, really awesome to be here this morning. So I wanted to um, to to tell you guys this morning about... Something that happened this week, I was with my family, and we were um, at a friend's house. We do this every year. We go, we sing carols, we eat delicious food, and it's really fun. And Aaron's always like Balthazar number one in all the Christmas carols, and he has a solo, although this year we kind of divide it up a little differently. So, you know, got to get that solo next year, babe, okay? Okay. Um, and we were having a discussion around the dinner table, and our friend, our host, um, she's she, one of the ladies, she goes to our church, and her husband is actually unsaved. And so we were just talking about politics, kind of got a bit heated. We started talking about Israel and Palestine, and the Holocaust, and World War I, and World War II, and you know, you're sat there, and you're like, okay, this is getting a bit intense here. All righty. Uh, okay, where's this going? And he starts asking some pretty heavy questions. But you know, I actually kind of like intense conversations and questions because I feel like I can have my my say and then I feel like I can still be friends with the person after. Not everyone is like that, you know. Some of us have to cool down, but I enjoy these intense conversations. So the he, one of the questions he was asking was how can all of these Terrible things happen, and people have done things throughout history all in the name of religion, in the name of God, and if they truly are Christian, if they truly are good people, how do they do these terrible things? And this actually kind of resonated with me this week. And I began to think about this, this question and the questions that he was having about truly our salvation and what it looks like to be saved. If we really are saved, what would our lives look like or what should our lives look like? And not out of a place of striving, but out of a place of who are we and what is our reflection of our life that we're showing to the world? And so um, I'm gonna take us back to the beginning. Okay, we're going to get into Genesis here. So in the beginning, God said, let there be light, right? And in that moment, instantly, he created something. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And he created the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the heavens and the earth and the moon and the stars and all of the animals. And what did he say? He said, it is good. Awesome. Okay, well, we know that the Trinity was... Creating all of this was dwelling in the heavens, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But they looked at everything they had made and they said, Something is missing. There's still something missing. I want to create something or someone to love, to pour out my love to, and for them to love me back in return. And for this to be a, an exchange of love, a two way love connection. You know, it would be a pretty bad marriage of Aaron and I if. You know, he just loved me, and I was like, eh, see you later. You love me, but, you know, you're okay today. No, God wanted to create a people to love, to pour out his love on. And so in his image, from the dust, he formed Adam. And then we know he took the rib from Adam, and he created, he formed perfectly, he fashioned gently, creatively, the woman, right? All my women out there, yeah? Yeah. We've been wonderfully fashioned, delicately fashioned, um, and it was spectacular. And what did God say? He said, it is very good. Emphasis on the word very good. Look at yourself. Say, I am very good. Look at your neighbors. Say, you are very good. <laughs> and God, he, he placed them in the garden, and he said, you can eat anything that you see here, except the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do that, you will die. They had like one job, okay? One job. One job, not to eat that tree, the fruit from the tree. And we all know the story. Along comes the serpent, and he tempts Eve into eating this fruit and says, Don't you wanna be like God? Don't you wanna know good and evil? And she eats this fruit. And instantly she realizes that she's naked and she's ashamed. And she goes to her husband and offers him the fruit and he eats of this too. And they are so, so ashamed of what they've done. And they realize, wow, I'm, I'm naked. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be near God. I'm, I'm afraid. And so they ran and they hid from God. And then it says, as God was walking in the cool of the day, I always picture like a beautiful oasis and I picture like mist on the ground around God's ankles and he's like walking in the cool of the day. Anyone else? No? Yeah? Okay. I just have a wild imagination when I'm reading this. And he's, he's looking for them because his original intent for humanity was this original goodness of us to be with him in the garden face to face, side by side, with God for eternity in conversation, in dialogue, in a relationship with Him, that was what He intended for us. And in that moment, in that choice of Adam and Eve, they broke that. They broke that. Um, what was supposed to be, they they broke that. They fell short. And God, out of His love, not out of His anger. He has to separate himself from us, from humanity. When I say us, I'm talking about humanity and Adam and Eve. He has to separate, not because he was so angry in the wrath of God. He's like, get out of my face. No, he had to do that because if they then ate the fruit from the tree of life, then forever humanity would be left in their state of sin, in a state of death. And so for our own protection, he said, you need to go. You need to go. And he puts the angels in front of the garden to protect it. And as we see all the way up until the time that Jesus comes, there's thousands of years of the ancient Israelites having to come before God to atone for their sin by bringing an animal to the temple, right, or to the tent. Can you guys imagine this, okay? You're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and to show up on Sunday, you need to bring your goat or your sheep, okay, or your cow, all right. So we're going to church, got my goat, ready to slay the goat here at the front. Slay the goat. And the bloodshed will atone for my sin. And sorry, JT, there's blood all over the carpet. We've got to replace it. I don't know, every week, same situation. Maybe we should go with cement, something more washable. Um, But this was the reality of the Israelites, is they had to, something, some blood had to be shed to atone for our sins. And there was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was the most holy place, obviously, the Holy of Holies. Um, And the high priest would go before God. They were the only ones that could literally go before God. And they would have a rope tied around their ankle so that if they happened to die in front of the presence of God. Someone could at least pull them out without going in there and dying themselves. It's like, oh, shoot. Joseph's got in there and he died again. Okay, send in another one. No, they were like, okay, we got a situation here. Let's tie a rope. That'll be better. That'll be better. <laughs> then we can at least save ourselves. And this was, this was what happened to humanity. But God, right? But God. And I love the Christmas season And Aaron was actually preaching this to our youth on Wednesday night about the story of the birth of Jesus and what that meant for us, that we are redeemed, we are set free. And Jesus, God was like, I have a plan for you guys, okay? As he's saying goodbye to Adam and Eve and he's sending them out of the garden, I just picture a heartbroken God. But he's like, but don't worry, I have a plan. I have a plan to rescue you. I have a plan to save you. It's not going to be like this forever. We're going to get back to the place of the garden. We're going to get back to the place of you and me together forever. Just wait. I have a plan. And so he sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus was born 100% man, 100% God. And he lived here on earth. He walked for 33 years here on earth living a perfect life that only he could live. Because I am not perfect. Anyone else? Yeah, any any perfect people out there? No, exactly. It wasn't like he lived in this little bubble and was like, okay, I'm in my perfect bubble. And if I just look down, then I won't see any women. I won't be able to lie to anyone. I won't be able to do anything. And he's just like rolling around in this bubble. No, that's not what happened. He actually lived the life here on earth. And he managed to, to overcome temptation from the enemy. To overcome... Um, all the struggles that you and I face every day. And he lived that perfect life. And then he took it to the cross. And in that moment, as he was hanging on the cross, he took on all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our sickness, all of our temptation, all of us falling short, everything. And the temptation for us is for us to live in that place of dis, like of disqualification, of us falling short, of us proving ourselves to God to somehow make up for our all the areas where we have messed up, where we've sinned, and Jesus is like, no, I went to the cross for you. I came to set you free, and as he died, we died in him, and as he was buried, we were buried with him, and as he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him, and now we are seated in heavenly places, we're seated in glory with him. Yeah, you can give an amen, and God's redemption plan was fulfilled through The bloodshed of Jesus Christ on the cross when he atoned for all of our sins. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the blood shed for us. And sometimes we know that we are saved. If we believed in our heart, confessed with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. Sometimes we know that we're saved, but we don't know that we are set free. And there's a difference. There's a difference in our thinking when we realize, okay, not only am I saved, but I'm set free. I am set free. I am delivered. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can give a cheer for that. But 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. So through the cross... Through Jesus' death, we have become the righteousness of God through Jesus. And that means that our lives are not our own anymore. We don't just get to keep on living our lives the way we want to live our lives. We now live our lives through Christ. And the temptation in that is is thinking, okay, I can mess up all I want because I know that God has saved me. He set me free, and I'm just going to, you know, if I mess up, I'll just ask for forgiveness. Anyone relate to this here and there? Okay. We have a bad attitude. Maybe we're lying. Maybe we're angry. We have self-hatred. Maybe you're addicted to um, stuff that numbs your pain, alcohol, drugs, pornography. For me, (laughs) one of my struggles, I... I used to really struggle with gossiping and sometimes lying and whatever it was. And I'm going to quote my dad here. But he says, Duncan Smith says, grace is not permission to do whatever you want. But it's the power to do the right thing. So the grace that was given to us on the cross through the cross, is what compels us to live a life that is righteous. It's what compels us to live a life that's holy, that's worthy of the death of Jesus, to live a life that is set apart from the world, sanctified, set free. It's the grace that fuels us, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do this, because when Jesus died, we know he went, he went back up to heaven, But what did he leave us with? He said, it's better that I go because I'm giving you a gift of the Holy Spirit, my spirit that is going to be with you always. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that fuels us to live in grace. And by living in grace, we are empowered to do the right thing. We are empowered to be good people. We are empowered to to be worthy of his death. So as I was saying before, I grew up in church. Um, most of my childhood, I lived in Toronto and was at Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, which is now known as Cash the Fire um, Toronto. And a regular Sunday morning was, hey girls, don't run around in sanctuary because you're going to bump into people and there's people all over who are lay it out in the Holy Spirit, and you're, like, a kid, like, jumping over bodies, like, okay, this is normal church, and uh, there, would, there would be conferences where paramedics would come in because someone was genuinely hurt, and they couldn't tell who they needed to take away because everyone looked like they were injured, um, and this was, this was normal church for me, and I would come to church on a Sunday and I would stand at the front and lift up my hands. I'm such a good Christian. I'm such a good pastor's kid. Um, I have no problems in my life. And I would um, I would come to youth group on Wednesdays, and from the outside it looked like everything was great. But there was little struggles in my heart that would take over, where I would take for granted the fact that this was normal church. And I would take for granted the power of the cross. I hear, I heard all the stories. I read my Bible. I knew the truth, but I was still struggling with gossiping and being judgmental and lying and um, maybe cheating on my homework with my friends or whatever it was. And I know, shocker, 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 am I still in the will? I don't know. And my parents traveled a lot, as I'm sure you've gathered. And there was often times where I would look for affirmation through being flirtatious with guys and having guys give me attention. And I liked that. And I liked that they paid attention to me. And I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I know. Double shocker. Right, Dan? Uh, Aaron's like, let me at him. Let me at him. Until Aaron came along, guys. Um... (laughs) And so it wasn't until I, I graduated from high school and I chose to take a, a gap year before going to university. And I went and lived in Mozambique for six months. And there was something about me leaving my parents, leaving the church that I'd grown up in, where I, w- I felt free to encounter the Holy Spirit for myself. I felt free to encounter Jesus for myself and build my own relationship with him. And I was able to have and cultivate daily encounters with him and his presence, having dreams and visions and listening to his voice and spending time in his presence, not because I had to, but because I wanted to, because I was so drawn to him and his presence. And lying became harder and gossiping became harder and I started to feel conviction in my heart, not condemnation from the enemy that's like, you're terrible, but conviction from the Holy Spirit that says, you're better than this. We're better than this. And, and temptation started becoming easier to overcome. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I want to take you guys um, to Romans 6. If you have your Bibles out, if you wouldn't mind turning with me to Romans 6. We're going to read this passage. And it's an incredible passage of scripture. And there's so many juicy nuggets in it that we're just going to take from this. So. Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's jump down to verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness, What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. How good is that? Sometimes we have to change our thinking, change our perspective, and think... Okay, not only have I been saved, like I said earlier, but I've been set free. And if Christ died for me and he took my sin once and for all, he died once and for all for me, then I have the power to overcome sin in my life. I have the power to overcome self-hatred, doubt, um, malice, jealousy, lying, cheating, whatever it is, fill in the blank for your life. But we have the power to overcome that because of the grace of Jesus that fuels us, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, living on us, living around us, because of the cross where we have been set free once and for all. That sin no longer, yes, come on, sin no longer has mastery over us. Just as that verse says, maybe you have been feeling so bogged down by your sin or so held in bondage and chains, and there's so much hope for us and you this morning that that is not the intention of God. The intention of God was the redemption plan, was the cross, was the burial, death, resurrection. That is where we're called to live and it's not from a place of works. It's not from a place of, I have to do good to get to heaven. It's, I don't have to do anything, but I get to. I want to. I want to because I want to be righteous. I want to be holy. I want, to, I want my life to mean something. I want my life to be worthy of what Jesus did on the cross for me. That his death wasn't in vain. <laughs> And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to do this. Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. The grace has been given to us as a free gift. It's nothing you have to earn, it's nothing you have to prove. It's something that you just have to receive, and you just have to believe. And it's just changing our thinking that says, okay, I actually, I might still struggle with sin because I'm a human being, and that's okay. Okay. But I don't have to be a slave to my sin. I don't have to live in bondage to my sin. I can overcome this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And by me realizing my place in this grand scheme of things, that I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And the more... The more we get to know God and the more we begin to love God, we begin to love the things he loves and hate the things he hates. And God hates sin and he hates us being in bondage. And we get to experience the power of the love of God, that his kindness leads us to repentance. His kindness leads us to live that life of righteousness and holiness. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16, it says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And the invitation this morning is for us to, is for us to live in that place with God. To go back to the original intention of God for humanity. Of us dwelling with him and being with him. And it was our sin that separated us from him. But it's through the resurrection of Jesus that sin no longer can separate us from the love of God. And we can forever be with him in that place. And it's him that helps us overcome the things that we're struggling. And it's him that helps us break the chains of bondage. So, yes, it's good news this morning. So what I want us actually to do right now is actually I invite you all to stand. And I, I really felt like this morning God wanted to lead us through a time of repentance to him for the ways that we've been maybe thinking, for the, the things that have actually been holding us in bondage. And it doesn't have to be something as, you know, on the spectrum of addic- like addiction and um, drugs or whatever, but it can be something as simple as I've just been really struggling to love myself. I've been really struggling to have a positive attitude, Sometimes I walk around like an Eeyore with a rain cloud over me, and that's not good. And God wants to set us free in everything and everything. So I just invite you to close your eyes right now this morning. And if you feel comfortable, you can repeat after me. Holy Spirit, the truth is, I've been struggling with sin. I've been struggling with and then you can fill in your own blank. And let's just take a moment to actually be really real and honest with ourselves. What are the things that we have been struggling with? What are the things that have been holding us back from, from living life in the fullness? And this morning, you can repeat, and this morning... I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Lord. I'm sorry for the things I've been struggling with. with. And I'm sorry for any time time. that I've made sin my master. master. Thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross for me. Thank Thank you that you have washed me clean. You've not just saved me, but you've set me free. You've delivered me. You've broken my chains of bondage. Okay, and now I want us to put our hands on our head. We're going to renew our minds this morning. (laughs) And if you're online, you can join us too. Holy Spirit, will you fill me this morning? With wisdom and revelation. revelation. Would you change my thinking? Would you you renew my mind? mind. Help me see that I I am set free because of the cross. Help me see that I am delivered. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you came as a baby and you lived the life that we could not live so that we could live with you forever, that you, that you conquered death, that you came to the cross. Yeah. We're so thankful, Jesus, that we can live in your victory, that your perfect life has been accredited to our lives, that when the Father looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus. He sees the perfect life that he lived, Thank you that your heart is for us and that you made a redemption story for us, Lord. And I just want to actually make room here at the front. If anyone wants to have one of those encounters with God, the kind of encounter that transforms you from the inside out where you can meet with him face to face and and be with him. I, I invite you to the front. And anyone else, you're free to go get your kids. And you're free to leave and meet the leaders in the back. But we just want to make room here at the front too. For those that really want to have a time of encountering the presence of God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. And ministry team, you can come up. And JT, thank you. Thank you, everybody.